Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Thursday, September the 22nd, 2022. It is currently 1121 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I want you to imagine that you're in a building, a tall building. Maybe it's 20, 20 stories tall, 25 stories. It can be, I mean, it's your imagination, just a tall building and you're in the stairwell. You're there on the stairs and you're trying to walk down the stairs because maybe you're on floor 15, floor 17, floor floor 13, where, wherever you are, you're in the stairwell. And then all of a sudden, boom, the lights go out, pitch black. All right, there's no emergency lighting in this building that we've created in our imagination, okay? There's there's no lighting. And all of a sudden, you get ready to take that step, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't see the next step. What, what's the next step? I can't, find, I can't find the next step. And so all you can do is just slowly sit down because you know if you try to take another step, you're going to slip, you're going to fall. Boom, 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 boom. You don't want that. You're trying to find the next step, but you can't find it. Well, we have been, in a sense, searching for steps. We have been on a search for the steps that should bring about unity to Christianity, unity to the church, something that will unify us all, bring about peace and harmony, get rid of the division and the discord and the schism and the arguing, and it'll be all great. We can hold hands and sing kumbaya. We can have a Coke and a smile, and there'll be rainbows with Skittles falling from it and, and unicorns, and everyone will be happy. Yeah, we've been looking for those steps, and so far. We haven't found one meaningful one. If you haven't been with us in this series, well, I don't know where you've been, but you've missed out. This series is called Steps to Unite the Church. And we've been utilizing an article that's entitled Seven Steps to Help Unite the Church of America. Seven Steps to Help Unite the Church of America. We have been looking at this. And so far, I have felt that I'm in a stairwell inside a building. The lights are off and I'm just sitting on the steps and there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. And every time I turn on the microphone, it's like, I'm still sitting here in the dark, guys. Someone turn on the lights. Someone turn on. I can't find the next step down. I can't see anything. It's pitch black. Now, I know that means it hasn't been the most interesting podcast episodes, right? Because listening to someone just like, hey, guys, I'm still sitting in the dark. Uh, I don't really know what to do. Uh, thank you for listening, is not the most exciting podcast series ever created, but it's designed this way because what I want you to do goes, oh, no, no, no. I want everyone to yeah, have, and you know you've done this when you're watching a movie and someone is in like some bad situation and they're you're like, no, no, what they need to do is this. No, no, no. Don't do that. What are you doing? No, don't open that door. No, don't go down into the basement. No, don't walk away from your friends and you start yelling at the screen. I, I always talk to the, whatever I'm watching, I'm always talking to the screen. So I talk to it. I engage it. I know they can't hear me, but it's more fun that way, right? So um, it's almost like you listening going, no, 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 no. That step wouldn't work. This step would work. No, 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 that won't bring unity. This will bring unity. Now you may be yelling at that to your phone, what I wanted you to do is to be emailing me, telling me what you think would bring unity to the church. So far, to be honest, 
No one's really given me a lot. I mean, there's been, there, I'm not saying I haven't received any emails. I'm just saying that based off the numbers of emails I typically receive, the numbers for this series has been far less. And I don't know if it's either because people just don't care or they know they don't really have any ideas. And I think that we're so used to the division and the disunity and the discord and the schism within Christianity that most of the average Christian now just kind of shrug their shoulders and like, yeah, we're divided. Who cares? You're wrong anyway. <laughs> okay, right? right? Well, I mean, I, I don't even know if people are even really bothered by it, but we've been working through it. We've tried to listen to this article. And remember, here's what's been given to us so far. Number one, recognize that unity is very important to the Lord. Remember, unity is very important. Jesus prayed for it. Now, the problem is the article just tells us it's important, but didn't deal with all of the theological implications. Well, Jesus prayed for it, but we don't have it. Well, no, we have it, but it's just this kind of, I don't even know what you call it, imaginary unity that because we're all Christians, somehow we're all unified in an invisible body that never meets and we never see each other, but we're really unified, even though in practice, we're not even anywhere close to unified. It's really kind of a very, uh, I, I, that one just drives me nuts that somehow Jesus prayer got answered for a unity that means absolutely nothing, but okay. All right. So, but we're supposed to recognize that unity is important. And I guess this is supposed to lead us to becoming unified, but obviously it hasn't worked. Number two, learn to appreciate the diversity of the body. Again, I cannot appreciate diversity. Well, no, let me state it this way. When you say appreciate diversity, you really are telling me to appreciate the division and the differences in dogmatic truth claims. How can I appreciate diversity when diversity for Christians means completely contradictory truth claims? This church is claiming that I have to baptize a baby. This one is claiming I shouldn't baptize a baby. Both can't be true. So how can I appreciate the diversity of contradictory truth claims? One of them has to be true. One of them is false. I cannot appreciate diversity when the diversity is dogmatic truth claims. So that one just is, that, that one is just meaningless words, words without any substance. They're, they're shadow without substance. They're words without meaning. Hey, appreciate diversity. No, you're telling me to appreciate contradictory truth claims. Sorry, I don't appreciate that. Number three, find common ground in Jesus. Okay, well, I, what you believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, but we disagree in every doctrine and theology. I don't know how we're supposed to find common ground because that doesn't make all of the doctrinal differences go away. Number four, make an effort to understand your brother or sister's perspective. Now, I completely agree with this. We should always seek to understand the other perspective. If I've got an issue with Catholicism or if I'm going to criticize Catholicism, well, what did I do? I went and enrolled in a Catholic university to pursue a degree in Catholic theology so that I could understand the Catholic perspective better so that if I criticized it, I didn't criticize it from a perspective of ignorance, but one of knowledge. So I completely agree with try to understand the perspective. But here's the thing. I think, in fact, I'm dogmatic on this. The more you understand your brother's or sister's perspective, the more, the clearer the division becomes. I don't think understanding the other perspective brings unity. I think it increases the disunity because there's no question on the difference. 
learning Catholic theology, I began to realize, see the absolute stark difference between a proper distinction between law and gospel, the idea of imputed righteousness versus infused righteousness, and so many other issues. It was my study of Catholicism that made me start questioning, see, the whole lordship salvation concept, because much of it is just Protestant Catholicism, and that's the way I feel about it, and I think there's some some accuracy to that. So, um, but the more you understand, I don't think that it increases unity. I think it increases the clarity of the disunity. All right. Next, refuse to caricature those you differ with. Now, I agree with this. We should not create a caricature of someone we disagree with so that we can mock it, humiliate it, or tear it down. So I, I believe we should accurately describe the people we disagree with. And I think the more accurate we are, the more clear the division becomes. This doesn't bring unity. It increases the the reality of the disunity. Now, I, I think this these two principles would be more for how to handle ourselves when we are divided. Well, understand the other perspective and don't create a caricature. And then number six, do not write off the other believers. Do not write off other believers. What do you mean don't write them off? Well, they say we should not... We should not amputate the uh, other parts of the body. We should not treat them as trash. We should not be scornful, dismissive, uh, denigrating um, uh, towards uh, other Christians. Well, I agree. We should not be scornful, dismissive, denigrating. We should not treat them like trash. So once again, this is telling me how to handle ourselves in disagreeing, but you're not telling, how does this bring about unity? doesn't bring unity. I do believe that there has to be a biblical way we are to conduct ourselves in disunity. Now, that I completely agree with, but this doesn't produce unity. And then number seven, the last one, finally, we've reached number seven. And remember how I've been doing this series. Each one we've looked at, I've tried to talk about them like in just a very quick episodes. Because I just kind of want to say, here's what everyone else believes about will produce unity. And what I want you to do is I want you screaming at your phone. No, 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 no. These don't work. I've got the I've got the seven that will. I've got the three that will. And I wanted you to email them to me. All right. That that was the goal. But we've reached number seven. Now, now what we'll do is probably later today or this evening, I'm going to at least bring you two things that I think if we could get Christians to actually do we could bring some kind of unity. It wouldn't be great unity, but it would be at least something tangible. But trust me, no one is going, no, you could not get churches to agree on what I'm going to suggest in a billion years, but it would be the greatest religious social experiment if we could. All right. But here we go. Here's number seven. I can't get to mine right now. I want to get to mine, but here's number seven. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. Let's see what they have to say. Not only will others benefit from your prayers for them, but you yourself will be changed. In fact, the more you pray for those you differ with, the more you will become concerned for their well-being. The more you will feel love for them, the more you will have God's heart. Putting this principle into practice would be absolutely transformative. Now, now listen, here's the thing. The more you pray for them, the more you're concerned you become about them. Maybe you become more concerned because of the doctrine they believe. So maybe this doesn't bring unity, but I will say this in disunity. So really what this article should be entitled is how to conduct yourself in a divided Christianity. 
how to conduct yourself in a Christianity that is so divisive, so, you know, uh, there's so much division, there's so much discord, there's so much schism, there's so much fighting. This, this is what this article, this is not how to bring unity. So I, I think that it's very true that in how divided Christianity is today, we should make every uh, uh, effort to properly understand the other perspective and not misrepresent it. We should not create a caricature. We should accurately represent those. We should not treat people in a scornful, dismissive, uh, denigrating way. I completely agree with all of that. None of that's going to produce unity, but it would be the correct way to conduct ourselves. And then praying for others, I, I got no, we should pray for others. But what, but here's the thing. What do you pray for when you disagree with someone theologically? I'm assuming you're going to pray that that other person will change their theology, right? Right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming, so that's not going to produce unity. Hopefully it will produce a compassion, mercy, and love for them. I, th- I, th- I hope that that is true. Um, so it says, here is the challenge from heaven. Based on the word of God, I could, I could multiple verses uh, to back each point. And I, and I, I did not, it says, here, let me read this. It's interesting because he's acknowledging he didn't really add much scripture uh, to his points. He didn't really add much scripture to his points. He says, so here is, the, here is a challenge from heaven based on the word of God. And then in parentheses, I could multiple verses to back each point. I'm, I'm assuming he said I could have, I guess he I meant to, I don't know. It just says I could multiple verses to back each point, close parentheses. It's written very weird. And I did not say a single syllable about compromising our convictions. I cannot even relate to such a thought, but I'm urging us to do better. Surely we can. Surely we must. There is much more to be said, but this is a start. I I don't know how what anything he said there that would produce any kind of unity. He's giving very good principles on how to conduct ourselves in disunity, but not how to produce unity. Um, I'm looking, I'm looking here at some of the comments under this article. Someone puts a link to what a normal church looks like. Uh, I, I don't, and I'll, and already someone has a thumbs down. So I just, it's just a h- hilarious. Here's an article about seven steps to bring unity. And then the very first comment is what a normal church looks like and a link. And immediately someone's given it a thumbs down. So already the very first comment, there's disagreement and disunity. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know how people can, like, you have to laugh at that. It's almost so over the top. Like, hey, here's an article about disunity, or here's an article about how to bring unity in the midst of disunity, and immediately in the comment sections, Christians start disagreeing, immediately within the comments. And like, nobody stops and go, what are we doing? This is supposed to challenge us about being unified, and we're already being disunified in the very comments section. The second one, reads this way. I don't know. I'm just going to read this. I haven't read it prior to, so I don't know what's going to happen. Let's see what would happen. It says, his disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in the field, but uh, that 
That night, as the workers slept, the enemy came, Satan, and planted weeds among uh, the wheat, then slipped away when the crop began to grow and produce grain. Uh, the weeds also grew. The farmer's work went from, went, the farmer's workers went to him and said, sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy, Satan, has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds? Uh, they asked, they asked, Michael Brown, kumbaya. No, he replied, you'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let them both grow together until the harvest. Then I, then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds to them into bundles and burn them and to put the wheat in the barn. So I guess what he's saying, the reason there's division in the church. So Michael Brown is the one who wrote the article. So I'm saying he, he, he throws in Michael Brown, kumbaya, meaning Michael Brown's solution to the wheat and the tares is kumbaya, and this person's argument is the reason there's division is because there's wheat and tares. So the reason there's division in Christianity is because some of us are saved, and obviously the people we disagree with aren't saved. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's written really weird, but if you, if you try to summarize what's said there, that, that's such the Christian go-to. Hey, why is there so much division in Christianity? Because we have tares. That we have, we are the wheat, they are the tares, but one day the tares will be bundled up and burned. They will be removed. So what makes you think you're the wheat? Because I guarantee the ones you're pointing to saying that they're the tares, they, they would look at you and think you're the, you're, or, or the, the weeds will say the wheat versus the weeds, I think is the way they have it translated here. Um, uh, let me see here, making sure, um, yeah, they, they have, uh, they have, uh, let me make sure how they have this here. They just, they just have to refer to the weeds. I'm going to, I'm going to do here. Hang on. I'm going to make sure we can find. Okay. I think it's, is it Matthew 13? I think it's Matthew 13. I want to make sure I'm, 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 I'm using the parable that I think they're using. They didn't put a scripture reference. They kind of gave their own little seed. Yeah, the wheat and the tares, Matthew 13, 24. And another parable, uh, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man who sowed good seed uh, in his field, but while he, uh, the man slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. So wheat and tares. So th this person in the comment section, they were making the argument that the reason there is division is because there's wheat and there's tares. But I, what I want you to understand about that is the one you're calling a tare they would be referring to you as the tear. In other words, who is the true wheat and who is the tear? Who is the wheat and who is the weeds? Who is the good, good, you know, harvest and who is the 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 bad that needs to be the chaff that needs to be thrown away? You're telling me there can't be division among true believers? That the only time there's division is because of false believers? Like that that comment doesn't offer any solution to the problem. Other than, well, well, that's just the way it's supposed to be. All right, let's go back to the article. All right, so that's the second comment. The third comment, I'm not talking here about uniting with professing Christians who deny the authority of Scripture and do not believe Jesus rose from the dead. They're not part of God's true church. I'm talking about genuine believers in Christ. Thank you, brother, for letting us know exactly who you are addressing when you say the Christian church in America. 
For unfortunately, filling the pews across America are many who don't fit in your description and the one giving the church a bad name. I believe genuine, born again, in the spirit, Christ followers put Christ first in their lives, love their neighbor, and unselfishly work to bring peace and harmony in the world and spread the good news of the gospel. Once again, it's the same thing. The only reason there's problems is because of unbelievers. Because us believers, we always act right. We always love our neighbors. We always seek peace. We always do the good things. See, this is the never-ending narrative in the Christian world. All of our problems is because of lost people. We're never the problem. It's not, it, 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 like, once again, you're telling me Christians don't do those things? Because I can look at 1 Corinthians and see believers doing some really messed up stuff, but I don't know. What do I know? What do I know? All right? So, so far, we have, in the comments section, immediate disagreement. Then we have basically the wheat and the tares, and the reason there's division in the church is because of the tares. Third, basically, the reason we have division and problems in the church is because of unbelievers. And then next, a slightly different point. What would true unity look like? Uh, what, what would true unity look like? Christ following uh, churches of different denominations, Christ following churches of different denominations can and, and do cooperate just as arms and legs do different things and have different uh, focus. Uh, so, to, so too do denominations and people. True unity won't entail absolute similarity. On the other hand, unity will never include unity with apostates. Dark and light cannot merge. So division in the eyes of the world will always exist. But once again, so see, the division is just in the eyes of the world. It's not us. See, the reason we are divided is because we're divided from apostates. See, the immediately, immediately when we see division in Christianity, what we go to is, well, I have to be divided from them because they are the apostates. Who gets to determine who's the apostate? You'll say, well, scripture does. Yeah. And that apostate will say that the scripture tells them that you're the apostate. Next. I believe those are sound principles from which to work. How are those sound principles? They, they weren't any principle at all. Having an apolitical church would also help. We would do well to remember that God is not an American, neither a Republican nor a Democrat. Okay, I think that's good. I, politics divide us, but that article provided no meaningful steps to unity. I don't. How can people read that article and think that that's going to produce unity? It didn't do anything. All right, next. Well, the next comment was removed because it violated their policy. So I don't know what in the world that was. Right, then next, then uh, someone obviously responded to it and said, no, that is not an invitation to other faiths. He wrote earlier, I'm not talking here about uniting with professing Christians who deny the authority of scripture and do not believe Jesus rose from the dead. They're not part of God's true church. If he's not talking about those who call themselves Christian and yet deny Jesus as God, then it means he's not talking of other faiths who deny Jesus. I guess someone talked about uniting with other faiths, okay? Next, um, Republicans have cynical, cynically manipulated the church and scripture for political advantage. They've inserted themselves into the dividing lines of Christianity to manipulate uh, willfully ignorant evangelicals to gain political power. They could care less about abortion, using it as a wedge to put radical Catholics in charge of the Supreme Court and therefore the country. The Catholic nuns taught me critical thinking during the Cold War. Using it now allows me to see the propaganda uh, and manipulation of the of the uh, of basically the average you know people who don't know, you know know anything. Um, 
Even now, they're scrubbing their campaigns of references to abortion since they have uh, the ACB and Thomas and Alito to do their dirty work for them. Hopefully, you like abstinence-only birth control. Okay, I don't know what any of that has to do with anything, but okay. Um, It says, the next one says, suffering will not only unite the body of Christ, it will purify the body of Christ. Let the shaking and shifting continue is my prayer, for it will reveal the idols of our hearts. Sheep or goat, wheat or chaff, the choice has always been binary. You will know the disciples of Jesus because they love generously. So this person's like, what we need is suffering. Boom. If we suffer, then we'll be unified because it will get rid of the bad. So once again, why is there division in Christianity? It's because of lost people. This is the this is the go-to. Oh, Christians. I, I don't. As soon as you disagree with someone, they're not saved. That, that's just the man. And Christians just can't see how utterly crazy that can sound. Uh, the Church of America is united. The Assembly of Americans is united in its belief and worship of freedom for each to do their own will to define good and evil in their own eyes and to claim the right to worship any gods. However, the church of the Lord Jesus serves in obedience and an agape, the will of Lord Jesus, which is the will of the Father, the one and only creator God and the one who is good. So the church in America is united, but the assembly of Americans is you. I don't know exactly what that's referring to. The next comment is removed because it violated policy. And then next says, Satan is the ruler of the world at this time. Lord Jesus come out of the, uh, come, said to come out of the way of the world. All right. Next, it says, we will never have unity as long as the tiny minority on the evangelical left viciously attacks the majority for voting for Trump. Okay. All right. Uh, and then the other person says, is the opposite not equally correct, Roger? And then the next comment is removed. And then it says, per the article in question, unity with Christians who reject God, the authority of scripture is not the goal. The issue is unity and division with those who actually do follow Christ. So I guess if you vote against Trump, then you are not following Christ, I guess. I I don't know. Uh, Okay, and that's pretty much the end. So the comments offer nothing. It, it seems like Christians in the comments section is basically, here's the way it works. Wheat and tares. They're present. The tares is the reason there is division. We can never fix the division until the tares are removed. Someone else says, wait, the problem is they're sheep and goats. Now, how we can figure out who the goats are is intense suffering comes to the church and then all of the bad people will leave and then we'll be unified. So then why do Christians get upset about losing religious freedom? Why do Christians complain about persecution? If if persecution and suffering is what will purify the church, then let's not fight for religious freedom. Let's pray that all of our freedoms get taken away. I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to do with it. I mean, nobody has an idea what to do. We can't just go that the whole reason there's disunity in Christianity is just because there's lost people like that. No, believers are are divided. Christians are divided. True believers are, are, there's division and disunity.
So what can we do to bring unity to the church? I, I'm, I'm, a lot of a lot, some of these comments talked about how wonderful the the article was. The article was not wonderful. The article was was garbage. It didn't give us anything. So so what do we do? Now the, the article is great in giving us how we should conduct ourselves in disunity. The arbi, the article is garbage as far as giving us actual steps to unity because it there's not, nothing there to even talks about that. It's talking about how to conduct ourselves in disunity, which I completely agree. Change the title of the article. And man, you can make it really, 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 really powerful, and it would be really, really good. It'd be a good for a, it'd be good for a book. Hey, the church is divided. Christian America is divided. There's division. There's fighting. How do we? How are we to conduct ourselves in such a divisive time? I think he's onto something. But none of those steps are going to produce unity. So. I have to stop because remember, I made a promise that each one of these is just going to, each episode is going to look at one of those points. We've now looked at all seven. The next episode we do in this series, I'm going to give you at least two things that I think would be utterly fascinating, utterly fascinating if, if, I stress if we could get churches to all adopt it. It would be, it would be, even if we just did so for two years, it would be fascinating. And I'll throw out my theory in the next episode. But for now, you sh- the floor is still open. The, the floor is still open for you to come to the microphone or come to your computer or your, or your phone or whatever and just send me an email going, here's the three things I think would bring unity. Those comments go bizarre, but just, just demonstrates even Christians on a Christian website talking about unity. It's just the most insane stuff that you can like, I don't even know what any of that is. I don't even know what any of the people are talking about. Some of those are some of those comments. You're like, what are you even talking about? Has nothing to do with the article, which is just a frightening sign of the lack of critical thinking, which I don't know. Can you have unity if we can't even think uh, can't even read an article and figure out what it's talking about? I don't know. Newsif at yahoo.com newsif at yahoo.com. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Newsif at yahoo.com. Maybe we'll finish this series tonight. Maybe this afternoon. Maybe tomorrow. I don't know. I'm going to give you a little bit of time to tell me what you think. Newsif at yahoo.com. We'll stop there for now. Probably get some lunch. Then... We'll figure out what to do for the rest of this afternoon so that we can make the most of this Thursday. Thanks for listening. God bless.